Welcome to Rob Pod. This is Anna Koki, your host, and I'm here today with the awesome duo Kit Rosha, Donna Heron, and Bree Bridges. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we are recording this in the midst of the October pandemic of 2020 with the COVID. Our president is probably high on steroids uh, right now. But we are hopeful. And the rest that of us feel like we are. Yeah. Well, I'm we high. hope I don't that know you, about you guys, but I'm totally high. <laughs> We're hoping that we are at peace and celebrating a, a new beginning for America. Uh, but we have no idea what the future holds for us. And I figured Donna and Bree really know about that because they have much experience on the dealing with the hangover of an election. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Still kind of dealing with that hangover. <laughs> Four yeah. year hangover. Yeah. Um... So for, for our listeners who don't know, uh, Bree and Donna wrote a very long series, the Beyond series, and it, when it finished with Beyond Surrender, they finished writing it on election night. Went to bed, woke up to a very, very post-apocalyptic future. Yeah. The, 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 I, the, I have described that as like a sort of whiplash that is hard to encompass. You finish book nine in a million word series about dismantling an authoritarian regime and you go to sleep on this, like, I've accomplished something amazing, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, and now I'm going to experience it. Yeah, it was a heck of a thing, man. It was a heck of a thing. And I think we're all still grappling with the lessons we've picked up from various uh, paranormal and science fiction romance, and what what do we carry over to our real-life fight, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's... I think in a lot of ways, those things are training manuals, man. Mm-hmm. For when stuff like this happens, like you, you, you see people who are, I mean, it, it's not quite the same as like, you know, a, a contemporary because a lot of times when you, um, when you read like a contemporary or something that is, you know, otherwise not meant to be set in like, you know, some sort of alternate version of, you know, our universe, a lot of times it's very unmoored in time and place because, you know, I mean, they don't want to date themselves too terribly. And so mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of discussion of, you know, current events. And so I think that sometimes with paranormal romance, uh, urban fantasy, uh, sci-fi fantasy, a lot of that stuff can kind of serve as like a proxy where, you know, they're in a completely like, you know, messed up world usually, or there's some sort of difficulty that, you know, the heroes are facing. And it usually has to do with a world that is, you know, not perfect or is oppressive in some fashion that they're, you know, they're trying to fight against. And so I think sometimes it's very handy to have that as kind of a a proxy for our own world, because there are, you know, not a lot of contemporary romances that really deal with, you know, the current events that we're facing because, um, you know, I mean, like, and I get it because it would be really hard because by the time you write a book, is it even a current event anymore? And also, you know, like, I don't know, maybe people don't want to read that. Like we've had people talking about like, you know, uh, deal with the devil, like not really sure they want to like, you know, read something dystopian right now <laughs> in the midst of, you know, our <laughs> dystopian existence. But, you know, then they find that 
the good thing about it is that it reminds them that, you know, hope is a thing. And that community is powerful. Yeah, we we don't have to just like, you know, be sad. We can also read these books that are uh, in a lot of ways as screwed up as the world that we're currently living in. Uh, but that there's hope in them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can be an important yeah. reminder. So, yeah. So if you're in the need of hope <laughs> this morning uh, <laughs> or day, <laughs> please know that we highly recommend paranormal romance as a place to start. Very much. Yeah. There is a popular wisdom that when the world is like just sort of terrible, that's when paranormal romance like takes off as a genre. Like, its last big heyday was, like, during the recession and after 9-11. And, like, you know, it really just, everybody was like, okay, I'm just going to go live with vampires for a while, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like a lot of you. And, you know, I mean, like, I don't know if people remember this, but when we came into the genre, Paranormal was, like, king. That was 2008. You know, that was, like, just the beginning of, like, the Obama years. <laughs> Eight or years ago. Um... And, like, it was so contemporary was in such dire straits that, like, Dear Author and Smart Bitches had this um, Save the Contemporary. Like, they they were, like, doing a whole, like, thing where they were trying to revive contemporary romance. You know, Save Save the Contemporary was their big campaign. And, like, people would totally, like, tell you, oh, you're just writing paranormal for the easy money. You know, contemporary (laughs) is the hard thing that nobody wants. And, like, I think that was sort of true until, like, Fifty Sage of Grey mm-hmm. is sort of what I remember being the one that, like, suddenly it was billionaires. <laughs> Which and, is like, funny you know, because that's an AU of a paranormal romance. <laughs> yeah. 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 I've always thought that vampires and billionaires and dukes are, like, all sort of the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> same thing. I, and then, I mean, you know. I'm a shifter girl. Yeah. I yeah. like, I like the. <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for the growling. Whatever form it takes, that's me. (laughs) Well, I think that's the, the, you know, it's the the aristocracy versus the sort of blue collar, you know, archetypes. And I think the werewolves tend to be in the, you know, biker group or the Scottish, Mm -hmm. you know, groups of brotherhood. They have like their groups, their their clubs or their clans or their, you know, packs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's yeah, it's a, not all about like the it's not all about like the fur and the fangs because um one of the things that I really enjoy about Elona Andrews Hidden Legacy series is that you know it's all magic it's all you know mages essentially but there's mm-hmm. more than the fair share of like you know hot growly dudes in you know <laughs> in in those series so I really enjoy that so it's not always about you know fur but. And packs versus houses, you know. Yeah, the houses yeah. are very pack-like, you know. Yeah. It's the definite, the loyalty. So, I mean, I, I just actually reread both of the Catalina books of The Hidden Legacy. Um, How many I times love... have you reread them? Catalina's <gasps> my favorite. So many. She's my favorite. I love her. I, I love she's her my, and I love She's Elfander. my ride or die. So, you know, like I thought at first, like I, I read, listened to the Nevada books so much that I thought, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to transition. She's the little sister. And then, no, I really love the take that the Andrews have taken with Catalina. Um, they yeah. made her grow up with really interesting concerns that are different than Nevada's, but in a way, the still the family first kind of mentality. Yeah. 
I love those brilliant heroines who are like just they're like you know they can do the cold collected like if I had to think of like an archetype from like what we've written like the lily heroines Mm -hmm. (laughs) the ones who can like keep it together and do their social mask and like totally just eviscerate you with words but also they feel so many feels inside (laughs) (laughs) and they have to collect those now different flavors though I think because I think that in a lot of ways that's the same uh, type of character as like Danny in the Mercenary Librarian series, but also like uh, Anna in um, mm-hmm. Southern Arcana, because it's like they have a different. It's not necessarily like an ice princess thing. Like they're very, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, violent. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. very stoic. And <laughs> but there's a whole lot going on underneath all of that. So. Yeah, I think yeah. it's an archetype we usually like, like in the heroes, you know, the really right. taciturn, withdrawn with the secret wooby depths. But I love the heroines who do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm here for heroines who have that going on. Honestly, I think they they get um they get some hate sometimes, but you know what? <laughs> I love them, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep writing them because I will keep listening and reading them. You know, I think they. They remind all of us who fight small battles and have to keep it together because they're the, the people who like everybody has to turn to. That yeah, you know, you're not always alone. Right. You can you can depend on your people. They will help catch you. So you have your pack. Yeah, your found Trust family. Your <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just like today we had our episode with uh, Rebecca Weatherspoon come out. And it was all about found family and the, the need for finding, especially as queer people, uh, our people. Yeah. Yeah. The people who make you feel loved, you know, just as you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> However that is and whatever that is. And, you know, I think that is, like, so, so important. And I think especially, like, I think that's part of what this, like, all of us who have grown up with access to the internet it enabled us to build these like families that, I mean, Donna and I were born in very different places. We found each other on the internet. And I mean, literally my found family and I would not have been able to find her if, you know, I was in California and she was in Alabama when we found each other. So were you even in California yet? I might not have been actually. No, I think I found her when I was in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Still in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, and then I moved to California, so I got farther away. And then there's that, for, for our listeners who don't know, uh, Brie got on a bus. <laughs> yeah, Donna actually flew from Alabama to California on a one-way ticket, and we packed up, like, whatever belongings we could fit in boxes, left most of my stuff behind, and rode a Greyhound bus to Alabama. Not something I technically recommend you do. I was 21, and I, you know... I was just having an adventure. That's actually like a very common thing that happens to our uh, PNR heroines and heroes, right? They are suddenly had to find and leave wherever they've been and find new people to depend on and who take them in and help them blossom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's why I'm so attracted to it. I love the found family, you know. 
I think that it's not a secret from like the books I recommend and the characters I write. I love those like broken people who come in like, no, I don't trust anyone. Families are a lie. (laughs) And then they slowly get one over, which is very much, you know, I think Donna's parents thought I was some like legitimately broken wharf when I moved in. My my dad was actually like you know pretty taken aback that she wouldn't let him buy her pancakes. <laughs> That's nice. Oh, special <laughs> matrons to take care of you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like especially because my family is like my family has always always been about food. <laughs> So that's basically like, you know, if someone wants to like buy you pancakes, that's, you know, hey, that's that's how we show we care with food. Yeah, that's what the love is. Yeah. It took me a while to sort of adjust and, you know, settle into that sort of, I mean, I, I come from a very different situation. So, yeah, I think that's why I'm so attracted to those stories. And, you know, basically the... I always think it's funny because people talk about uh, when is there going to be paranormal new adults and like paranormal has basically always been kind of new adult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean like so many, so many of those are, you know, your life falls apart when you're fairly young and you have to just move and, you know, like you said, like find new people and find a support system because your understanding of the entire world has been upended. I think, you know, like we're talking about this and I'm and my brain keeps going back to Nalini saying, and we yes. see it so much in the side changeling books, whether it's Sasha or Tally or whoever finds like, oh, these people are going to be here for me. And, oh, I can put down my walls. What? Yeah. If something goes wrong, I have someone who will back me up. Wow. And Nalini Singh is like the queen of, of like writing, you know, so many of these different things that we love, the found families and the, you know, grumpy taciturn people with the hidden emotions. That's like her. And the growling. Yes, if we gave Oscars, you know, she would be the every year, the 18-time Oscar winner for taciturn, grumpy, loner, finds friends. Yeah, that's a true (laughs) fact right there. Because she's got it coming and going, man. She's got it with, like, the uh, Psy and the Changeling dudes. (laughs) And she covers, like, I mean, she manages to cover both of those archetypes. You can get the growly, you know, sort of feral dudes, or you can get the ice-cold, you know, ones. And then you got, then you also have guys like Ethan in the most recent box, who is, like, I will give all of me to you. And then she's like, boundaries, boundaries are good. <laughs> I love the most recent book. Like, I don't know how much we can say, because I, I don't know how long it's been out and what, like, spoilers. Because I don't want to spoil that book, because the revelations in it are so, so good. But, you know, yeah, I love... Don't, because I, I haven't, I haven't. I've been we will not spoil. We, yes. But you better okay. get on that. You would but love you know, like, the heroine of that book. I know that's why I don't want you to spoil it (laughs) so um what I love also like we've talked about this a lot I have we have a discord server and we have an entire channel as you know that is just side changeling where I go out and try to find people who will come in and read the series (laughs) so we can experience it for the first time again um it's like my mission in life I guess and you 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 introduce them into the pack that is the side changeling leader I recruit new 
new pack members. And one of the things that we talk about a lot is how this series is actually, if you want something to be a like a judge of barometer of where the mainstream of romance has been, like especially mm. paranormal mm-hmm. over yeah, the yeah. last what 12, 15 years? <laughs> 15, I think. 2084 yeah. years. <laughs> okay, so 15 normal <laughs> years, like 907 <laughs> pandemic years. Yes. But, you know, she starts in 2005, and one thing we always tell new people is we're like, okay, the second hero, the third hero, they're very mid-2000s paranormal, Yeah, you know, so there was a lot more, like, really gender binary gender roles, there was a lot more, like, you know, a little of that sort of boundary issues, and then, like, you watch yeah, her that evolve. Was 15 years ago, man, yeah, you know, I'm you- like... But her most recent book, like, I love especially that she's sort of moved to these new packs where she can Mm -hmm. almost retcon. This is a new pack with new traditions. And so these new packs have these, like, totally evolved, way more, there's, like, queer people in them. They have, you know, mating rules that aren't, like, just these strict gender Gender binary. yeah. Yeah. And so I love watching her grow and like how much she cares about it because she just and I think that's the thing none of us come into this knowing everything that we should know you know I mean authors the only thing we can do is learn and as we learn like our books get better Mm -hmm. hopefully and so yes that is that is the thing that's the desired trajectory anyway We actually had the opportunity to talk to Nalini for for the for this uh, month's podcast theme because she has an upcoming book coming out for the Guild Hunter series, mm-hmm. and we talked specifically about this that it, how she has tackled all sorts of issues, and sometimes she's like, and I've learned since then, yeah. or I changed this, and um, we all and have, it, we all have, yeah. yeah. Because so much of it's craft, right? As you get to hear from your readers, right, of how something hits them or not hits them, they're like, oh, I need to get better at this. I mean, that is the thing that, like, all of these cancel culture hysteria, like, all of this misses. It's craft. You don't Mm -hmm. have a meltdown when someone tells you that computers don't, like, make toast in the optical drive. (laughs) You know? So (laughs) stop having a meltdown when they tell you you're doing this. Just... Mm-hmm. research get better if you mess up say well sorry I will do better yeah. and then do better it's not rocket science yep so I mean yeah well do you guys each have a favorite Nandili Singh book that just speaks to your heart I don't know I just, I'm being totally mean this is mean okay I think my favorite I mean like I have the like I can hear Lily over there like dancing <laughs> at me. I, I love there's the Heart of Obsidian to like uh Shards of Hope, that like Heart of Obsidian, Shield of Winter, Shards of Hope, those three books are like the real mm. political, super duper, like the arrow sort of arc. And I love those books. Like all three of those. Those are like I think Shield of Winter is probably my favorite. I have told, been telling Nalini Singh for years that like the assassins and the and the empaths <laughs> are like my favorite combo. It's <laughs> I have a for theory. Sure. I think that's like the ultimate morality chain expression, mm-hmm. like because it's the ultimate. I am, you know, also like the ultimate, like the grumpy sunshine. 
I think mm-hmm. that is like, you know, on a continuum with the morality chain. You've got the, you know. So yeah, I love I love the arrows and I love and I love especially I think that in this latest book without spoilers, you know, they the gender dynamic on that is flipped, but we still get the squishy you know, person and the dangerous, dangerous person. And I love that dynamic, no matter how it is presented to me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. It's not dependent on the hero being like, you know, the grumpy one and the heroine being the sunshine one. It could be, you know, like two heroes and a heroine or like, you know, four heroines and a hero or like, you know, (laughs) two heroes or whatever, you know. Like, have we created, like, I feel like romance needs a word instead of just hero and heroine. Like, do we have a a non-binary? Just like main characters, I guess. Yeah, people say main characters, people say protagonists. And and I think that means, like, that's something that especially non-binary people are struggling with in the romance community, right? That it, it becomes so often... Even if it's not, if people are saying protagonist or whatever, but they're still talking about gender essentialism. Yeah, I mean, because I think when you say hero, heroine, protagonist, like, that's not three things that sound like they're the same discussion. And yeah. so I do think that, yeah. like, language, like, what language, you know, I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm really trying to be more inclusive with, like, how I discuss that. Because I think when you're talking about the history of romance, it's been mm-hmm. so heteronormative right. that, like, a lot of times, like, if you're critiquing the past, you do fall into that hero and heroine and, like, the well, stereotype. Well, I mean, come on. It was, like, literally not that long ago. Like, during the course of Nalini Singh writing this series, that the RWA was sitting there telling us that, like, the definition of romance was, like, a book that had a dude and a chick. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, like, they were literally, like, telling us that, you know. So, I do, however, really enjoy the whole grumpy sunshine thing or the morality Mm -hmm. chain trope when Mm -hmm. um, you have, like, the grumpy one who is not automatically, like, a, you know, masculine-coded person. I enjoy it when it's, like, you know, flipped and it's someone who is, you know, uh, maybe a bit, like, softer than we typically Mm -hmm. tend to, like, think of, you know, like growly dude grumpy one I like flipping that on its head I like expanding it beyond obviously this trope needs must have a dude in this particular you know function right I like it beyond that I feel like um like pandemic bring Ada Harper um Mm -hmm. treason of truths I mean it wasn't quite soft because both both of the heroines were pretty (laughs) Pretty tough. Yeah. But there was definitely one who was the really, really grumpy, you know, taciturn secrets one. And I loved that. And she was the bodyguard, too. Yeah, right. Because she definitely lived her also like bodyguard betrayal element, right? Of dealing with like, how can I, I must care for you by removing myself from the equation. Bye bye. It's the worst struggle for uh, protagonists in a romance to try to figure out because it's like, don't make that decision for me, uh, kind of stuff. Yes, bodyguards always have to do something totally self-sacrificing and martyry. Or is it really a bodyguard? 
I don't I don't think you can really fully explore the boundaries of that trope without having something like that happen. Mm-hmm. I think, I think really, yeah, actually yeah. the power dynamics of the bodyguard thing, you always I'm always gonna go, let's go dissect that. Yeah. I mean I think that there's lots of depending on like how you're meant to be the bodyguard. Like we wrote a bodyguard romance and the power mm-hmm. was definitely <laughs> the heroine had so much unfathomably more power, societal like power, emotional. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Sorry, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the fact that we literally wrote like, you know, a bodyguard like romance that was also like a non-regency, regency country house party romance. <laughs> Regency house party romance. Oh. For our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, and shame on you, um, <laughs> you should be talking about. Uh, we were talking about Ivan. This is Ivan. This is the second book Third. in the writer series. Third. Okay. Yeah. So Ashwin Deacon. Oh, Deacon. Yeah, yeah. Darn it. Yes, it's the third book. Uh, in everyone the forgets Deacon writer. because he's so quiet. <laughs> I think the reason they forget Deacon is because the book should have been called Anna. That's, That's yeah. true. True, it should have been. I still got the alternate cover, the Anna cover. Like, I didn't, <laughs> if the world hadn't ended, I would have cut it off last year. But someday I'm going to release that alternate cover so people can get it in print with her name on it. I don't think yes, we please. should do it until after we release Hunter, though. Yeah. Because we don't really want to confusing. confuse anybody. Yeah, we don't want to confuse anybody and think that, like, you know, that's, like, the new book, so. So that actually brings me to a little bit of your world. You know, like, in the Beyond books, it's pretty straight. Not Well, not straight at all. Very <laughs> queer. Uh, post-apocalyptic storylines, right? And there's a little bit of, like, it feels more science fiction-y with different, you know, med gels and stuff like that. But in the Gideon Writers books, you really have it take a paranormal twist. Uh, it sort of takes these science fiction romance elements and suddenly sort of like, what? It almost like, you know, like the, the magic, uh, like what they say, you know, like a, a science is so advanced, it might as well be magic kind of thing. I feel like there's that turn in the Gideon Writers books. How did that come about for you as, as uh, writers? I'm really interested in the line, the line between, like, especially with psychics. Psychics mm-hmm. are one of those things that exist in a continuum of people believe very, very heartily in them in our current world. And, like, there's scientific, at least, you know, there are science fiction psychics and there are magic psychics. Like, mm-hmm. we just discussed mm-hmm. Nalini and Alona. And I think that the hidden legacy psychics are magic psychics. And I think the Mm Lini psychics are kind of science fiction psychics. Mm -hmm. It's all regimented. It's gradients. It's all extremely cerebral. There's like so much scientific, you know, they break it down. It's not mystical at all. None of it is like created that way. So I sort of, I'm interested in when like, you know, these genetic enhancements that we have given these people and if they start having babies with like, you know, genetics that we can't imagine what they are, you know, what's going to happen. And at what point does this evolution become something that we don't recognize as science Mm -hmm. anymore? To me, it really boils down to uh, several people have had this thought in uh, particularly the Gideon's writer series, but uh, with regards to Gideon, like part of the reason why he is a successful leader 
of, you know, true believers, even though he, I would not call him any sort of like, you know, believer myself. Mm-hmm. I think that he believes in his people, but he doesn't believe in the religion that his grandfather created because I think that he he has such an inside view of the fact that this religion was created mm-hmm. and like it, it's like he can see the cracks on the backside of the, you know, sculpture. It's like he knows all the places where the aspects of the faith were put together uh, basically mm-hmm. to to control people and to benefit from their labor and their tithing and, you know, et cetera. So mm-hmm. he is not a true believer of anything but his people. He believes in his people. And to me, that means more than if he were a true believer of his grandfather's religion. Anyway, people have, <laughs> I just want to get that out there because I think it's a very important aspect of his personality because the thing that people notice about Gideon is that he seems to have like God-given insights um, that he mm-hmm. seems to be able to see into people's souls. And they attribute that to his, you know, his divine, his, gift. His divine gift. Yeah. It's, it's empathy, <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally, him understanding human nature and 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 caring enough to be able to you know see the reasons behind the way people feel and the things that they do but you know people definitely have a perception of it as being otherworldly as being paranormal Mm -hmm. so you know to me the entire um thought process behind you know the the psychic and empathic powers that come from the genetic engineering to me that is just kind of taking that a step further it's like it's very scientific but again at what at what point does something that is a completely natural phenomenon become something that we don't understand to a point where we're like that's freaking supernatural (laughs) Right. So, or like, you know. we, we're, if you if you scientifically engineer someone to be a master healer, do we give them superpowers that are right. somehow fine? Yeah, I think that that's what Ashwin actually. I think Ashwin was the one who explicitly mm-hmm. thought that at the end of his book that if you could make Cora, who has like this artificially enhanced um, empathy, then why couldn't Gideon have you know developed that in his own? They're just they're changing mm-hmm. things that are already there, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe there are people who have this or are going to, you know, evidence this sort of ability. So, and I, I don't think that, you know, I would say that Gideon is like magically gifted quite, no. <laughs> but I think that he has, you know, like Donna said, an intense amount of empathy and Cora is the magical extension of that. She's been genetically manipulated to bring those you know traits those abilities that insight to the highest possible well i think that that's why gideon was so drawn to her when she like you know Mm -hmm. came to sector one was that he recognized that aspect of himself like in her and that's why she so quickly like became part of his family was that you know that how much trust does that engender you know like if there are like who does gideon trust like, that's a question for you. Who does he trust? Who do you trust if you're so, like, deeply empathic 
that you can tell when people are lying to you. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who do you trust and how do you do that? And I think that that's going to be a big part of his uh, his uh, romance. But I'm not going to say anything else about that because that's way down the road. Um, <laughs> so, like, you guys just had Deal with the Devil come out finally this summer. And you have, you're working on book two of that or is it book three that you're working on? We're working on book two still. We are definitely struggling with the pandemic and all the assorted chaos and anarchy. Writing an apocalypse oh, through an apocalypse is... <laughs> and God bless you, all of you who are able to do any writing. Some of us are even struggling to read <laughs> right now. I tell but, you what, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. And, and we as still soon have we get that done, stuff. we're going to write Hunter. We're going to work mm-hmm. on Hunter and book three. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're excited about that. We have been wanting to write Hunter for a long time, but contracted work had to come first. Um, which you know also, is fine. Though, like, I don't think it's a bad thing though because we did completely re envision the entire book while yeah. we were not able Writing to write it. it. I'm and glad I, we didn't push through it because I much I think that we're sort of leaning into this whole Regency tropes in uh post apocalyptic. We're just gonna go full <laughs> Regency and fantasy. Give us the arranged marriages and give us uh-huh. marriage yeah. convenience. Marriage yeah. convenience, yeah. No, so. see, I think that that fits, though, because it, it fits the the kind of vibe, the kind of, there's a very fractured sort of vibe in Sector 1, I think. They have, like, all of these very old-fashioned uh, traditional expectations of, like, their, you know, quote-unquote nobility, while, mm-hmm. you know, outside of, of that, it, it's a, a far more what I would consider like normal, comfortable place. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I, I'm definitely leaning into some Regency tropes. But I am also like excited to get back to Sector Four sometimes too. <laughs> That's oh, more big... spoilers. <laughs> I'm gonna say this on this podcast. We um had contracted, we had paid for a cover like in the before times in the for before the time. seventh book of the series because we're getting ahead of it. So we have the cover for the seventh book of the series, and I will tell you guys, it's in the broken circle at fight night. Yeah. <laughs> so we finally are gonna have fight night on a cover of a book, and it is amazing. Beyond so, amazing. Oh, there, I've dropped a spoiler now. Everyone's gonna kill us until we write these books. Oh my God, We're just no. going to sustain you with our energy of like, you can do it. We'll have to do like four, five, and six before this happens. But it's out there. So keep keep sending <laughs> us send us good writing vibes. Okay. Oh, so in talking about good uh, vibes, we don't know what our audience is li- feeling this day here at post-election, but we know we can recommend a paranormal romance. Because yes. good times and bad times, paranormal romance is there for you. So let's let's get into some of your recommendations. I well, have I, basically already laid out my biggest biggest recommendation is to not sleep on the hidden legacy stuff. <laughs> like go read it if you haven't read it now. I, why? And also <laughs> go do it, please. Like that's just my biggest thing. I'm I'm just okay, I'm hidden, so yeah. Hidden Legacy by Luna Andrews, where a husband and wife a writing team, 
uh, and they write a lot of uh, like FFR and um, UF, and then they do Hidden Legacy, which is sort of a, like in the between place, but more yeah, the it's paranormal. Romance. The first three books are the for the eldest sister, and like I, we were actually discussing on Discord today if these are urban fantasy or paranormal romance, and I think they're paranormal romance. They are just mm-hmm. like with the happily ever after over a trilogy. And so, like, she's written the first three, and then there's, like, a bridge novella, and there are two books out in the second trilogy now. So if you start, you won't have to wait as long as everybody else did. Um, the rest of us yeah, have I, to I was, I was one of the lucky people who started with, like, when book two came out. So at least I didn't have to have, like, a gigantic wait in between book one and two. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, um, okay, I actually wrote my some of my recs. In, I know uh, Holly's on there. Tell yes, Holly. because I didn't want to forget. Okay, um, Holly Trent. Like, Holly Trent, I'm going to tell you right now, Amazing. if something bad happened last night, go to Amazon, download as much Holly Trent as you can. Her backlist is expansive, and you could probably read it through the next four years or however long this lasts. Yeah. <laughs> the one I'm going to recommend, and, like, here's the amazing thing about her. You can read her books, like, and I don't say this lightly because I am a strict in-order reader, but you can kind of pick her books up and read them out of order. She is really good mm-hmm. at laying in the backstory and making them stand alone, and she is so good that she tweeted out um, this book. It's called The Angel's Fire, and she tweeted out that basically it was about a demigoddess and a fallen angel in the Wild West. Um, I love that. coyotes in a whorehouse. <laughs> and I, I was that. like, going to Amazon. It's book eight. I don't care. One click. I and it. I read it like that night. I don't have was... one thing to say about that. That is serious business, unpublished Moira Rogers vibe right there. That's what that is. <laughs> yes. It was, like, that. it was like she wrote it for me. Yeah. And so then, of course, I read it, and it was full of, like, side characters who are from all these other books, like, 15 other books. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, going to Amazon, clicking all these other books. She's also got, like, sci-fi under H.E. Trent, sci-fi mm-hmm. romance. It's, like, this, you know, on a different planet with aliens, and, like, it's got sexy stuff and menages and, like, all sorts of wild stuff. So, like, just... Holly will keep you sustained. <laughs> it's my turn again. Okay. All right. Okay. okay. Science fiction, romance, Jesse Mahalik. There. Yes, sir. That's it. <laughs> That's the tweet. That's the tweet. That's it. That's the tweet. I really enjoyed uh, that. I've re- I read her Consortium Rebellion series. Yes. And one of the things that I enjoy is just the family dynamics in those books and how complicated um, loyalty is and sacrifice and all that. Yeah, absolutely. The Game of Thrones family's got nothing on those guys. But you know what? <laughs> the sibling bonds are real. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's like a totally a family where they were raised to be against each other and pitted against each other constantly and it only brought them together. They were but raised like- to be Lannisters, but they turned out to be Starks. <laughs> <laughs> Donna Sorry. has been not watching Game of Thrones but reading tons of fanfic so yes. she's now a Game of Thrones expert it is really bizarre I, I don't know why 
why learn... she's doing it. But she... I decided to learn everything about Game of Thrones from fanfiction. <laughs> AU fanfic. She's reading like coffee shops and like random modern day Game of Thrones fanfic. I'm reading one like... right now that Sabrina. You know what? I highly recommend that approach. <laughs> no, no, the one I've got right now is an AU. It's um Brienne and Jamie Lannister, and it's it's a Formula One AU. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this talk? You don't know who these characters are. I don't know who they are, but you know what? That's okay. Well, then, you know, when you're in your fanfic world uh, for Game of Thrones, I'm just preparing you to read some Olivia Dade. You should read Olivia Dade and a spoiler alert because it's it's, it's all about fanfiction and Game of Thrones fanfic. There you go. Okay, I might turn again. I'm going to recommend a fantasy that's not Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, Don't read Tasha, Game of Thrones, you guys. Tasha Suri, <laughs> Tasha Suri is like my favorite fantasy discovery. I was told on Twitter to read her. And so I think I had like gotten the audiobook, but I didn't know it was romance. And mm-hmm. so it was sort of sitting on my like, you know, I'll read it eventually. And then somebody told me it was romance. I think it was Arya told me it was romance, and I was yeah, like, okay, Arya, oh. Arya won so many of us over who were Yeah, like, she was not really? going to let us mess with this, <laughs> like, forget this book. And good job. Yay, Arya. <laughs> like, winner, winner. So I picked it up, and I tore through it. And then I went on, like, a Twitter stampede, like, find me someone who can get me an arc of the sequel. <laughs> like, was telling all my friends who, like, I was DMing friends who write for Orbit, like, who are your people? Tell me who to email. I'm gonna get one, and I did. I finally got it. I finally got her publicist on my email, and I just emailed the publicist like, "Need book, please." <laughs> well, so. and I mean, I love that it, you know, so many fantasy and even you know, it borrow from history, right? But it's often European white history, yes, and I love that yeah. it was taking like the Mughal Empire and saying. Well, how about we give it magic? Um, and it's they have these wonderful heroines who have these intricate uh, motivations in a sort of very complex world where they're they're supposed to fit particular boxes and they don't. And uh, there's just such rich culture and sense of place. I loved uh, both the books. I I actually love book two. I think better. Uh, I, I think I did too. Like I cried. There was one passage in there that was about basically when your family is trying to make you fit into society's mold to protect you but it breaks Mm -hmm. you and like I I have that screen capped and I was just like sending it to everyone like I'm breaking apart because it is so it is that thing that so many of us who have had to face you know whether or not we fit into what society wanted us to be you know and like, do we make ourselves small to try mm-hmm. to get along or do we embrace who we are? And like, because you will wither <laughs> and crack and, you know, and die inside if you don't. So, oh, I love well, all those. You know things. how we were, we were talking about sort of like the grumpy dynamic where somebody's grumpy, but actually really soft. And I think the hero in the first book. Yeah. It, it, he is all taciturn and stressed and held back, but he's actually a really soft person who's been put through like terrible, all terrible the pain. Stuff. 
Yeah. Also, like I usually recommend pretty high heat books. These are very mm-hmm. low, explicit. Like you know, um, the first one's got some very light heat, almost fade to black sex scenes, and the second one is mostly fade to black. But the sexual tension in these books. <laughs> By yeah. the time they were like brushing knees, I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Just <laughs> the train!" Wooning. So yeah, and she's got so many cool like books coming out, and she's been tweeting about wanting to write like some filthy fantasy romance, and I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> do it! I should do it for yeah. all. <laughs> do it for all of us. Support you. Like that. I'm gonna. I'm going to do it." <laughs> I'm going to enable that as much as humanly possible because the world oh. needs it. Yes. yes. So I think hey, those Donna, are you're up. up. Oh, do you have another rack, Donna? Um, I don't think so. Cause I'm really high. Okay. We'll, we'll cut that then. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to wreck this for both of us, even though I, I put it in here. It's a pre-recommendation. Um, Ooh. I haven't read this book yet, but Katrina Jackson tweeted out. This promo about ghost erotic oh, romance. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Where this this guy moves into a house that his family stole from the heroine many, like, a hundred or something years ago. And she's haunting the house. And I was like, <laughs> give me this book right now. So it comes out on Halloween. Um, and you can go pre-order it now. And, like, I don't think I need to tell you anything else. <laughs> it's an angry, vengeful ghost who is going to haunt hero in a sexy way well and yeah she's been doing these little high heat very tropey romances right she has the hitman yeah yeah and and so yeah i have high hopes for this ghostly vindictive i i'm all i'm all here for ghost vengeance and we don't get enough of it you know what and here's the thing is like i've been reading paranormal romance since before it was like a thing like i used to troll Harlequin and Silhouette and Love Swept, like their category lines. I used mm-hmm. to troll them for like the occasional like paranormal ish books mm-hmm. that would like make it through. And like weirdly, a lot of them weren't like Halloween themed. Like a lot of them were mm-hmm. themed around Christmas. Um, mm, like the very Christmas. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, like that movie, which was terrible, but that dude and that chick were really hot. They were both incredibly smoking hot. Um, anyway, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So I've been, like, reading Paranormal Romance since I was trying to pick the stuff out of, like, the category lines. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those were, like, ghost-based romances or, like, mm-hmm. people who were dead but stuck in limbo and somehow managed to, like, you know, return to Earth for, like, one night a year, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. We don't have enough of those. Write me some of those, people. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Right, I'm glad Katrina is here for us. And like, if you're not reading her books, like she's incredible. She's one of those like ones that you know, in a few years she's gonna be an overnight success, quote unquote. Yeah. She's gonna be like super yeah. famous, and we're all gonna be like, we were telling you all. Everyone's gonna be like, <laughs> where did she come from? So and get in early. And she's a very interesting person to follow too, because she's an academic in in her real life quotations and she brings a lot of that thinking into uh how she creates her romance so i really respect yeah that. yeah the good follow good read author just mm-hmm. read that do it <laughs> yay 
So thank you so much. I feel like this is like a special, very special episode of Beyond the Sector slash Round the Pod. Um, oh, we did we did talk a little bit too much about like <laughs> the Beyond stuff, didn't we? <laughs> oh no, not too much. Uh, it was perfect. I, my my heart is filled. Um, and so I want to thank you for coming on today and for sharing your recs and your passion for paranormal romance. And hopefully we will be reading it because we love it, not because we need the escape here in the post-election haze. I got a message. But, I have a message. You know, Here is yeah. my message to you all today, November 5th, 4th, whatever day this is. <laughs> my kid's birthday. <laughs> oh, gosh. Either we did it, and hell yeah, we did it, or we're going to do it. And hell yeah, we can do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Either way. Or if they're still counting, it can still be good. Yes. Whatever is going on. I love you guys. <laughs> and I will stab bad people for you. With a fork. Your fork's but out. But MSA right. Brad cannot hold out. that against me. <laughs> so. Uh, forks out, horns up, you guys. <laughs> Yeah, forks. So, we need to all get forks. Going into yeah. 2021 with the forks. Stab them. <laughs> Stab that them is not a call to violence, NSA Brad. <laughs> Stab them oh. joyously. <laughs> metaphorically only. Yeah. Stab them metaphorically. Figuratively. I'm not winking on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know how to wink anyway. It's okay. <laughs> that was pretty bad, dude. So, uh, I am so glad we are not a vlog. <laughs> so your, your, your secret of uh, side winking is okay with all of us. So. I, I wish you guys could see it because I don't know how to wink. <laughs> I'm just going to Okay. Bye-bye, guys. Are you sure I'm the one who's high? <laughs> are you sure? Folks, thank you, Bree. Thank you, Donna. Um, thank you, Anna. <laughs> and this has been another episode of Rom Book Pod. Uh, you can find us on all the places as R O M B K P O D. Subscribe for way more craziness and uh, laughter about amazing inclusive romance. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rom Book Pod, inclusively yours. If you like weekly recommendations on inclusive romance, please take a moment to subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest at rombookpod. That's R-O-M-B-K-P-O-D. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, happy reading.